Welcome to this time of worship at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I'm Sandra Olwine and I serve as pastor here and on behalf of our staff and entire congregation, we're so glad that you have joined us for worship this day. In this season of Lent, we turn again and again to God's forgiving, merciful grace so that we might be renewed in our walk of faith, find purpose for our life, and serve God by loving our neighbors in God's name. In anticipation that the Spirit will meet us here in this time, let us turn our hearts then to praise and prayer. As this season of Lent begins, we are reminded that the God of life and love comes to us again and again. As we celebrate this truth, join us in this morning's call to worship. God meets us in the night. Before the sun rises, before the wound heals, before there are answers, before there is closure. 
God meets us in the light. Where the joy is effervescent, where laughter is contagious, where flowers bloom from cracks in the sidewalk, and where people gather around the table. God meets us at the threshold. At the edge of the water, at the beginning of the wilderness, at the start of something new, on the edge of faith. And if God meets us in all those places, then surely God meets us in between. Staying with us through the wilderness. We are not alone. God is all around. Let us worship the God of the here and the now. During the season of Lent, we often turn to confession, for it's a time in which we recognize with intentionality that we are not yet all that God would have us be, and that we do not do all that God would have us do. So in that spirit of openness, of honesty, of reception, and of transformation, let us join our hearts in the prayer of confession. God who meets us where we are, there is nowhere we can go that you are not. You were with Jesus at his baptism. You were with him in the wilderness. And even in between, you were there saying aloud, this is my beloved. We know that you are with us too in the good, the bad, and everything in between. But so often we act like we are alone. Instead of coming to you with our hurt, we hold it in or cast it onto others. Instead of coming to you with our joy, we credit ourselves and offer you nothing. How can we long for a deeper relationship with you while living like you are nowhere to be found? Forgive our self-centered ways. Remind us that in every breath, in every step, you are there. You are the God who meets us where we are. Before and behind. Above and below. Within and around. Amen. I invite you into a time of silent prayer and personal confession.
family of faith, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. God is here. God sees you. God knows you. And God meets you at the edge of every new beginning. And God calls you beloved. We are washed by the water. We are called beloved. Thanks be to God for a love like that. young Christians. Today is the first Sunday of a special season in the church, the season of Lent. During this season, we remember the way that Jesus lived and take extra care to follow him by practicing things like praying, fasting, and giving. Do you know how long Lent is? 40 days long not counting Sundays because Sundays are for celebrating. The Bible tells us that after Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness. There were wild animals out there. And during that time, he faced all kinds of temptations. Imagine being out in the wilderness with no other people around. Hungry, lonely, tired, afraid? That must have been long and hard, but God was with him. 40 days also reminds us of another story in the Bible, the story of Noah and the ark. Noah and his family and lots and lots of animals were in the ark for 40 days in the rain. Imagine being stuck in a boat in the rain with all those noisy, stinky animals for 40 whole days. That must have been long and hard, but God was with them. And after 40 days of rain, the rain finally stopped and God made a beautiful rainbow. Maybe you're going through something long and hard right now. God is with you, too. The things we practice during Lent, praying, fasting, and giving, can help us during times that are long and hard to remember that God is with us. And if you're not going through something that's long and hard, or even if you are, Lent can help us remember and notice other people who are going through something long and hard, too. Our theme for Lent this year is again and again. What are some things that you do again and again every day? Maybe something like brushing your teeth or eating breakfast, washing your hands or going to sleep. What else do you do again and again? Did you know that God is with you when you're doing all of those things? When you're brushing your teeth, eating your breakfast, washing your hands, or going to sleep, God is right there with you. Here's a Lenten challenge for you this week. Choose one of those things that you do again and again every day. And every time you do it this week, spend a little time talking to God. You can talk to God out loud or silently in your thoughts. Tell God about what's long and hard for you right now. Ask for God's help and thank God for being there with you. You can also ask God to help you notice if someone else is going through something long and hard and ask God to be with them too. Let's pray together. Dear God, 
Thank you for being with us again and again. In the little things we do each day, and through things that are long and hard. Help us to remember you're here and to trust you to help. The first scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, the ninth chapter, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. lesson for this first Sunday of Lent comes from Mark chapter 1 verses 9 through 15. As we did in early January, we listen again to Mark's sparse account of Jesus's baptism 
And then we also hear of the spirits urging him into the wilderness and the announcing of Jesus' public ministry. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited upon him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The season of Lent has begun again. Again and again, early in each calendar year, we come to this time in which we're invited into a period of intentionality about our journey of faith, in which we are invited to focus on our lives and on how God's presence is manifest in them, reflecting on the ways in which we might want to change course or to repent and open our hearts and minds and lives to a deeper and more vibrant relationship with all that is holy. Yeah, again and again, we start this walk by listening to one of the gospel stories describing Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness following his baptism. This year, we listen to Mark's brief version. In only seven verses, we're taken through Jesus's baptism out to the wilderness for 40 days and then to the beginning of his public ministry and the proclamation of the kingdom of God in which Jesus calls on those who would hear to repent, to change direction, and believe the good news. That wilderness experience of Jesus is often the motif that carries us through these weeks from the Jordan to Calgary, a period in which we too contemplate who we are and to whom we belong, seeking through prayer, study, fasting, and sacrificial giving to grow into a deeper awareness of ourselves as God's beloved children. Now, traditionally in this season, those new to the faith were involved in learning and training to prepare for their baptism and joining the church on Easter Sunday, a process known as catechesis. It's a word that comes from two other Greek words, which together literally means to listen alongside. We get our word echo from this word. So catechesis is the process by which the church comes alongside candidates for baptism to help them learn how their lives can become a living echo of Jesus. As this Lenten journey begins again, it is good for us to be reminded of this baptismal call on our lives. For the spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness also drives us out into the wilderness of our world in time, where we are to live into our calling. And God knows the world could sure stand to hear the living echoes of Jesus and who we are in the world today. You know, from the pandemic to climate change, from racism to poverty, from homophobia to ableism, from daily violence to war, the brokenness in the world is evident, even if we are only paying half attention to it all. Healing, hope, light, compassion, beauty, acceptance, honoring, joy, mercy, and nonviolence are all gifts the world needs in abundance. And as Jesus' followers, as those drenched in the life-giving waters of baptism, we're called to bear those gifts into that brokenness. But as I thought about the Lenten wilderness journey, I realized how daunting it can feel. I mean, there seems to be a lot riding on our shoulders when we consider all of that. 
reservations about our insufficiency, guilt over our lack of commitment, and despair arising from our fears bubble up. And this year, especially after the year we have just come through, facing those demons, well, it's hard. I mean, most of us don't have a lot of internal space for wrestling with all of that right now. It can just seem too much. I mean, maybe we've had too much time to reflect in the isolation of the last 12 months and uh, we're wearied of all the ways we know we fall short in so many different areas of our lives. Maybe we have just been overwhelmed with managing all the changes and can't figure out how to find any time to do self-reflection. Too much, too little, overwhelmed either way. Yes, again and again, just about every day of the last year probably has felt like one long wilderness Lenten experience. And if you're like me, you might really be beginning this Lent with a longing for a sight of an oasis, for an experience of angels waiting upon us. Well, this year then, maybe what might be most helpful is not to focus so much on what we are to do or maybe, maybe even who we are, Maybe this year, especially this year, the focus should really be on who God is. I mean, who is the God who named Jesus beloved? Who is the God whose spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to face temptations? Who is the God who wants nothing more than for humans to uh, change direction and believe God's good news? What if in this season of Lent, we turn our focus on just getting to know the God that Jesus proclaimed? What if we let go of the focus on us and what we do, right or wrong, and focus on God and God's thoughts about us? You know, such a notion isn't groundbreaking, but maybe it will be heartbreaking, cracking open our defenses and breaching our despair to reveal the love that is vowed again and again to never let us go. You know, Sarah R., one of the creative founders of A Sanctified Art, whose Lenten resources we're using this season, shared that she grew up in a family in which going to church wasn't an option. Every single week, rain or shine, they were there. By the time that she became a teenager, like many others, she asked, why do we have to go to church every single week? Rolling her eyes as only a teenager can. Her dad, she explains, responded with love because we are a forgetful people. You see, for her parents, it was not enough that her brother and she heard that they were loved and were called to be loved every once in a while. No, they needed to hear that truth every single week, again and again, day in and day out, lest they forget. Sarah wrote, that's how I feel now about Lent. I believe that we need the stories of Lent and the hope of Holy Week every single year because there is something about ashes on our forehead and meals around a table, the darkness of a tomb and the unstoppable hope of Easter that changes us. So yes, once again, God will meet us along the way. And she writes, and once again, I am confident that we will be changed. Hmm. Again and again, God will meet us. That is the lesson about who this God of good news is on this first Sunday of Lent. When we are tempted to despair, tempted to hide, tempted to use power or privilege, even violence to solve problems, God will meet us, reminding us that we are loved and we will be equipped to be love if we repent, if we change direction and meet this God who longs to meet us. You know, I think that's one of the messages at the heart of our reading from Genesis this morning, which speaks of a covenant the first covenant, in fact, in the Bible, a promise from God to never again destroy all living creatures on earth through a flood and sealing that promise with a rainbow, a sign not for humankind's sake, but for God's own self. 
Now the reading this morning doesn't include all that led up to the placing of that rainbow in the sky. You know, it's actually a pretty horrible story and one that if we really read it, I think we might stop decorating babies' rooms and arcs and animals. For in Genesis 9 verse 6, we learn that God is utterly fed up with humans' depravity towards humanity. And God too is moved to violence. So disgusted and distraught over the depths to which human beings have fallen, that the text says that God destroys all living creatures except those few in that little ark riding in the turbulent sea. Yes, violence begets violence. And even God is not exempt in this story. Now, many of us have a hard time with this idea. I mean, how does that mesh with the God of love? But you see, the ancient world had a keen sense of both God's omnipotence and God's justice. The one who created all things also stands as judge over all things and is entitled to destroy all things when they prove so disappointing was what the ancients believed. It was a common thread through the hundreds of such flood stories in ancient cultures all over the world. But here in this story, we learn something new about this God of all creation that's proclaimed in the Bible. We learn that God feels pain over the destruction and determines to disrupt the cycle of violence. God discovers that retribution has not resolved the issue. And God's heart is still grieving, still broken over humankind's hard-heartedness. But punishment has not coerced humankind into changing its ways. So if God wants to stay in relationship with creation and with all humankind, the creatures made in the image of God, then God must change. So God repents. God turns from vindication to forgiveness patience, and steadfast love for creation and for humanity, despite the knowledge that the human heart may, will, never change. The creatures made in God's image may always resist God, yet God lays down God's weapons against creation, against humankind. And God puts the undrawn bow in the clouds as a personal reminder, never again never again to destroy creation with the flood. Now in the light of that bow, the rainbow, humanity can see God as the one who remembers, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of rebellion by creation and its creatures. Yes, God establishes a covenant, not only with Noah, but with all people, all living creatures through all generations. And unlike other covenants in scripture, there is nothing humankind or creation has to do. There is no reciprocal part to the contract for us. This covenant is all God. God sets a bow in the sky to remind God's own self that never again will God give in to violence in response to humankind's refusal to live as those created in God's image. It stops here. It's a universal disarmament. God places a restraining order against God's own self to diffuse brutal retaliation upon unrestrained violent creation and sets a sign in the sky to see and remember the vow. The rainbow becomes like a string around God's finger, reminding God to keep to God's way, no matter how badly we human beings act. Now, a single or even repeated act of mercy may be accounted for by God's gracious nature, but to forgo for all time the right to destroy is an unheard of surrendering of divine power. You see, God binds God's own self to humanity and indeed to all the world in a new and different way, proclaims the scriptures. You see, God is no longer only the creator. God now is also the protector committed to refrain from punishing humanity or destroying the world. This is the import of God's choosing to hang a bow in the heavens as a sign of this covenant. The God revealed here is adaptable, touched to the heart by creation and willing to accept hurt in order to keep hope alive. 
The God of this covenant is unchanging only in refusing to give up on creation. God keeps the future open by self-limitation where humanity threatens to close off hope by unlimited repeat offenses. God takes this risk because God's heart is touched by creation's suffering. The God declaring this covenant is not an objective judge meeting out a just sentence, but a lover grieved to the heart at the beloved's violence, yet still seeking reconciliation. David Loos writes, ancients, including the Israelites from whom we inherit these scriptures, conceived of lightning as God's arrow fired from a mighty bow. This rainbow serves as a reminder, not simply of the beauty of the, of the earth after a rainstorm, but of God's refusal ever again to take up the divine bow against humanity or the world. Further, by binding God's self to the fate of humanity, God becomes inherently invested in the fate of humanity and in this way, keenly vulnerable, even exposed. God cannot simply sit back oblivious to the fate of humanity, much as the Greek or Roman gods uh, might. Rather, God's fortunes are now bound up with those of humanity, as God is not simply committed, but deeply invested in the fate of God's creation. My friends, again and again, God vows to meet us, even at our worst, with love, with protection, with salvation. You know, the story of God's rainbow covenant was recorded by the people of Israel in the midst of exile from their homeland, a time of great chaos for their community. They'd already experienced the a demise of their secure government and the sort of upheaval of their religious structures and practices. And though their world had been destroyed, they recognized in the midst that God had somehow provided them opportunities to start over and assured them that they were still bound to a compassionate and merciful God. Well, such chaos is present in our time too through terrorism and war, through ecological and natural disasters, through the gross inequality of the distribution of resources and wealth among the world's many peoples, through relationships that are broken by death or estrangement and divorce, through illness of body or mind, through addictions of all kinds. To see and know God as the one who remembers us, corporately and individually, with love and forgiveness in the midst of life's chaos with all its pain and suffering is to discover redemption. Yes, again and again, God meets us in suffering, uncertainty, and reluctance. God meets us promising to stay with us, standing with us in the wilderness of our lives. You know, I wonder if that isn't also why Jesus joins the line of those to be baptized. You know, Mark explicitly frames the right a baptism as that done for the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And yet tradition teaches us Jesus never sinned, never forgot who he was as one formed in God's image. But here in Mark's gospel, Jesus, the very one whom God is well pleased, gets in line with all the people, with the likes of you and me. You know, it's an expression of the unimaginable humility really and a sign of the solidarity of the incarnation. God stands in line with sinners so that we might know just how beloved we are. You know, my friends, we are living in a seemingly endless wilderness right now. But God meets us not only in the waters of baptism, but in the days of wandering. I mean, might Jesus' time in the wilderness also have been a reminder that God knows the temptations and trials we face and goes with us so that like Jesus, we might emerge from such times victorious, deeply aware of God's presence with us in such days so that we like Jesus can proclaim the good news about a God who is our redeemer. Maybe Jesus's time in the wilderness driven there by the spirit is another sign of solidarity 
reminding us of God's commitment to grace over retribution, humility over arrogance, peace over war, forgiveness over self-righteousness, and love over hatred. Maybe our time in the wilderness, our Lenten journey, is simply to remember as well that again and again, no matter the circumstances of our lives, God simply longs to meet us where we are so that we remember who we are. I want to close today with another poem by Jan Richardson. This one's entitled, Beloved is Where We Begin. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are. Beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. Now, I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you that on this path there will be help I can tell you that on this way, there will be rest. I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us, bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves toward our ear and with their curious insistence, whisper our name. Beloved, beloved, beloved. So in this Lenten season, my prayer is that each of us will rest in the knowledge that God meets us again and again, and that we are equipped by the Spirit to bear the cost of our divine name, beloved, in the confident hope of our ultimate divine affirmation in the resurrection power and love of God so that we will let our hearts be broken open with grief over our own hard-heartedness and the hard-heartedness of the world in its chaos. And that when our hearts are broken open, we will be moved to partner with God through patient, forgiving, loving, and prophetic action for the renewal of all creation. Amen. Because God meets us again and again, we dare to affirm our faith in confidence and hope. Will you join me? We believe in a God who is everywhere and right here, bigger than the sky and in the smallest details, all at once and in every moment. We believe that God meets us where we are, in heartbreak and high hopes, around crowded tables and in quiet homes, in joy and in suffering, in loneliness and in connection, in sanctuaries and in living rooms, in marches and in waiting rooms. We believe that nothing we do or leave undone can distance us from God's love. God is forever drawing us close and pulling us in. Again and again, God meets us where we are and invites us into wholeness. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Let us pray. God of love, you meet us again in the season of Lent. As your community of faith, we are weary from separation and anxiety. As the body of Christ, we are divided and fractured. As your partners in bringing about the transformation of this world, we are frustrated and confused. As you meet us in the wilderness of these days, 
Make us mindful of those who have walked this path before us. Unsure and uncertain, they found the courage to be faithful. Inspire us by their example and by your grace. O God, invite us into the journey of Lent as we again walk it, separated from one another. Continue to use you, Holy Church, to work out your purposes in this world. Encourage its leaders and people wherever your name is lifted this day. We especially pray for our Bishop Grant and our Superintendent Jim and all the leaders of our conference and denomination. Hear the prayers lifted this day across our district for the people of Thousand Oaks United Methodist Church and West United Methodist Church in Chatsworth. Creator God, we believe that your heart breaks wherever hatred, selfishness, and oppression gain the upper hand. We pray your strength for those that are resisting dictatorship and violence this day. We pray for your deliverance for those waiting at borders or seeking refuge. We pray for your justice for those that are wrongfully accused or imprisoned. As the whole creation groans and climates change, help us to pay attention and to take action. This world is so broken, God. But the hope of Lent is the hope of turning around what is broken. Make that hope ours as your people, as a nation, and as a world. God of mercy, we continue to pray for those countless lives that are forever changed because of the coronavirus. Even as we are encouraged by the falling numbers of new infections and the distribution of vaccines, we cannot look away from the daily suffering and death that this pandemic has brought. So we pray for the suffering and for those who mourn the loss of loved ones. But we also pray for the unemployed, for those whose life plans have been postponed or abandoned, for those whose learning and development have been delayed. Be with all of those who suffer in mind, body, or spirit this day, O God. Along with all the persons and situations that are found in today's published list, we especially pray for our brother Gary Webster as he continues to suffer pain and discomfort, and for the family of Helen Cannell as they mourn the loss of Helen's sister-in-law, Rachel Almo. God of love, you meet us again in the season of Lent. Give us strength to endure the desert of separation. We believe your promise of new life and health, and we give you thanks for the encourage, encouragement that we draw from being members of the household of faith. Now confident that we are your children, we jo join our voices together in recalling the prayer our Savior Christ taught to disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I invite you to download this week's bulletin. There's a link to it in the video description, and it was in yesterday's email as well. In addition to a guide to this service of worship, the bulletin contains our weekly prayer list and important announcements. Some of those announcements even include live links that you could use to sign up or to learn more about what is happening around the church. This week is our week to host homeless families through our partnership with Family Promise. Now, while we cannot do that in the church building right now, there are still very specific ways that you can help two families that are experiencing homelessness get back on their feet. So please read the details in today's bulletin. There are also opportunities there listed for you to help supply the church's food distribution on Tuesdays and to help in the work of Friends Indeed. Consider how you can help others as part of your Lenten journey this year. The Turnipage Book Group, the United Methodist Women, and the Thursday Noon Bible Study are all having meetings this week using the Zoom conferencing platform. So plan to spend some quality time together this week. And it's time to sign up for the monthly blood drive, which is coming up on March 10th. 
Links and information are in the bulletin. During the season of Lent, the youth are herding slow-moving cows into unexpected pastures. You may even see one in your yard, and if you do, please look for details on how you can help the youth raise money for the work of Heifer International. Today's bulletin includes a detailed description about how that works. Connect at fumcpasadena.org is the email that to use to communicate directly with the clergy. Please share your prayer requests, life changes, or any needs that we can help you with. And remember that this service remains available to you at the church's YouTube channel, along with all of our past services and concerts. You can explore that resource next time you run out of things to watch on Netflix. And remember to subscribe. If we were gathered together in the sanctuary right now, this would be the moment in worship that we would receive our tithes and offerings. So please use the link in the video description to continue to practice generosity during this holy season and as a Christian habit in your life. The online link is also available at the church's website or simply mail donations directly to the church. Thank you for all the ways that you continue to sustain the work of First Church. Have a holy Lent. Be well, stay safe, and remember to wear your mask. Receive the benediction. Again and again, God meets us. Remember this about this God that we worship and know that no matter the chaos in which we find ourselves, the wilderness through which we are walking, that God's love has claimed us, named us, and sent us. May we go bearing our name, God's beloved, into the world so that all may come to know their name. Amen.